Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft tapes. God, it was hot in the city. Patrolman Frankie McNamara took off his cap and wiped the sticky sweat from his brow, cautiously eyeing the crowd gathered in the street behind the rusty barriers he'd helped erect along the sidewalk outside the temporarily closed 77th Street subway station. These folks were the usual looky-loos, concerned citizens or curious tourists with cell phones thrust outward at arm's length to capture any sordid snapshots for their TikToks or what have you. Sure, they posted their sad face emojis and pretended to care about what happened here, but Frankie knew them too well. Those do-gooders would only too happily sell their footage to a local news affiliate if the video contained the appropriate level of salacious details, blood, guts, or guns. At the west end of the sidewalk, reporters waited eagerly for any drip of information the department might offer. And by the puffed-up look of the lieutenant's chest, they were about to be given some tasty morsels. Ah, well, not his business. He was here for crowd control, nothing more. Down at the east end, detectives were taking statements from the group who had emerged from the tunnels, even as medics were busily applying bandages and patching up the survivors. One dude, whose face looked like it had gone through a windshield at one point, was speaking with authority, his accent a strange mixture of Bayou British that almost sounded as if he were making it up on the fly. The pale, thin woman sitting on a bench next to him stared straight ahead with a feverish shine in her eyes and a half-smile on her lips. She looked to be the worst off as EMTs stitched up nasty, ragged cuts, but she seemed oblivious to any pain. An older lady stood nearby, corroborating the scarred dude's story with quiet assurance and nodding. Officer Loliola also seemed to be involved, though she remained silent during the questioning, deferring to a superior. And finally, there was old Choo Choo McGee, irate as ever, criticizing the first responders with every breath. What a gaggle of weirdos. McNamara, over here. Ah, shit. Sergeant Rodriguez was waving him over toward the station entrance where rescue transport was backing up slowly. He nodded toward another recruit who was manning the barricade, then jogged over to the Sarge. You're on escort duty, she explained without looking at him. Dead body recovered from the tunnels. One of their company, I imagine. She tilted her head in the direction of the survivors. Anyway... Keep the shutterbugs at bay while our boys load up the deceased. Hitch a ride with them to the hospital. Make sure they make the drop without any fuss. Or press. 
she slapped him on the shoulder and waved the ambulance in. Moments later, two hulking firefighters emerged from the tunnel entrance, half rolling, half carrying, a gurney upon which was the all-too-familiar sight of a cadaver pouch. The black bag was stenciled with yellow paint, identifying it as HRP for NYPD. A long zipper had been pulled up tight, locking the contents within. Frankie swallowed hard and watched as it was loaded in the back of the vehicle. Emergency lights began to spin, casting everything and everyone in a sickly Halloween hue. He felt the overwhelming urge to turn and run, run away from the scene of this crime, and keep on running until he got to Yonkers, where he lived in a shitty one-bedroom studio apartment, alone except for his goldfish, Steve Arino. Instead, he hoisted his utility belt and hopped inside, closing the ambulance doors behind him. As the truck pulled away, he saw all the survivors simultaneously turn their heads in his direction, their grieving faces a wall of unanswered questions, their eyes like dark pits of misery and confusion. He watched them until they were no longer visible, just pale specks a quarter mile down the road, and then gone. The driver informed him they'd be arriving at Lenox Hill momentarily, though traffic crawled around them and Frankie thought it might be closer to five minutes at this pace. This wasn't his first rodeo in the back of an emergency vehicle. Maybe that's why Sarge picked him. So, who was the stiff in the bag? Casually, he reached for the paperwork on the clipboard hanging from the collapsed gurney and read the report. Arroyo. Roy. Male. Age 37. Probable cause of death pending autopsy? Severe skull fracture. Intracranial hematoma. Oof. Sounds like the guy took a header down the wrong flight of steps. Or... Maybe he got into a fight with one of those creeps hanging around down in the tunnels. There were monsters down there, Frankie'd heard. Cannibals and dogmen and even worse. Not that he believed any of it, of course. The monsters in this city were just other people with axes to grind. As he replaced the clipboard, the ambulance turned into the hospital driveway. Both Frankie and the laden bag upon the gurney shifted slightly as gravity pushed them to one side. The driver mumbled an apology from up front, then laughed with his partner. McNamara waved at the rear rear mirror, trying not to notice how close the cadaver was to him. His instinct was to push it away, but he was loath to touch it at all. Not that he was superstitious, only that he knew his anxiety would later fixate on the sensation, the touch and feel 
of the polyethylene. He'd felt the material once before without gloves and it stayed with him. The cloying plastic. The icy metallic zipper. With a lurch, the vehicle came to a stop. They'd arrived at the loading bay in the back of the hospital. One glance out of the rear windows and he was reassured no one had followed them. Whew, what a relief. The last thing he wanted was to play guard dog against a bunch of reporters. Both emergency technicians got out of the front, slamming their doors shut. He could hear their footfalls softly approaching. Then the rear doors were opened wide. For a second, Frankie was blinded by the street lamp overhead. He pulled down his cap bill to block it, the image of the two men snapping into focus. They stood, stock still, mouths agape, staring at him. No, not at him. Behind him. Slowly, he turned until he could just make out the dark, plastic-shrouded figure sitting bolt upright on the gurney at the periphery of his vision. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2022. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.